Yeah. Yeah. Praise God. Thank you, guys. Thank you for leading us in worship. You guys are awesome. The youth are going to head back there with uh, Pastor Jaron and his lovely bride, Brittany. Yes. Go do it. Thank you, guys. All right. Y'all know that I uh, normally ask you some accountability questions right here and now, right? Y'all know that? And since you all did every one of them, we don't need to really ask today because we want to hurry up and get into the word of God that already is going to ask some of this for us and challenge us in what we're doing. And so let's see what God has to say to us today. And, and would you open your hearts to him and let him do it? Yeah. yeah, I want you to know that God wants to speak to you and he'll even use somebody like me to do it. He's amazing. And so if we're open to him, God will speak. You can plug your ears, you can ignore me, you can say, I already know this stuff, and go off into your uh, fantasy world of wherever. But why don't we stay with God, the Holy Spirit, right here present, and uh, you will be touched by God today if you allow him to touch you, for it is his desire to do that. God longs to touch you, change you, and transform you. He wants to do that with me, he wants to do it with you, everybody online, all of us. God desires that for us. And therefore, if we will open ourselves to it, he will. So as we've been going the last few weeks, we were reading songs out of Scripture, and today we're not. So I didn't want you to think we were in some kind of a, a series of songs, because we we're, really weren't intending to do that anyway. But super important that we know what God's saying to us and what he wants to do. And so I'm switching on purpose, so tech team, don't freak out when you're seeing the screens fly by. Um, I think I am. I'm not sure what's going on back there, but we'll get there. Did somebody stop me? Or I don't have that many notes, do I? You guys are in trouble. <laughs> it's not funny, is it? Uh, <laughs> I'm reading from Judges today. And uh, the reading was not in my original notes or plan, but as I was praying and coming into the service today, I've, God, the Holy Spirit, is faithful. He's amazing. We referenced this last Sunday, and I want to bring it into the beginning of what we're about to do, because God wants to say to us, he just wants to talk to us, guys. And as we finished in last week's service, in the midst of all that that was happening, we talked about how good and faithful God is. God is good to his word. That's a good thing if you're staying in the promises and living it, but it's not a good thing if you're not. But God's going to be good to his word, regardless of where we are. Church, we need to understand that. God is good to his word no matter where we are. And it's going to be either in the good graces and blessings of God or it's going to be in the cursing and judgment of God. But it's our choice. God has given us this free will to choose where we want to be and what we want to do with our lives in alignment with his plan for our life or continuously fighting him to do the plan that we have for our life. And so as we look at what God did as he led the Exodus and brought the children of Israel to the promised land, switching leaders from Moses to Joshua, he needed a warrior leader to take them into the promised land. And then Joshua leads them in and they, God fulfilled all his promises. At the end of Joshua's life, we're going to read something that I only referenced and I want us to hear this. Joshua, son of Nun. That was his father's name, by the way. It's not just a, he didn't have a father. Uh, the servant of the Lord died at the age of 110. They buried in the land that he had been allocated at Timnath-Sirah in the hill country of Ephraim, north of Mount Gosh. 
After that generation died, another generation grew up. It did not acknowledge the Lord or remember the mighty things he'd done for Israel. Just let that sink in for just a second, all right? After that generation died, the generation that was with Joshua, those that had served with him following God's ways and conquering the land, once the last of those died off, the word of God says another generation grew up who did not acknowledge the Lord or remember the mighty things he'd done for Israel. See how important history is? See how it's important for us to know things from the past to the present? Church, there's something in this for us. We recognize, I hope we recognize that what's happening in the United States is they're trying to erase history, try and rewrite it and not acknowledge what actually was going on back there and the role that God played in the forming of this nation, trying to get rid of all that stuff, there's a reason they don't want you to remember that. There's a reason the next generation, they don't want them to hear that. Because if you don't know where you came from, you're confused about where you're going. And as we look in God's Word, it teaches us something, church. So there should be more of you that recognize that's happening out there, right? You do see that, right? Would you acknowledge that? Okay. Got me nervous there when I didn't hear much, right? <laughs> that is happening, and there's a reason. There's a reason it's happening. And church, I want you to see this as we see how clear that is in culture around us. There's something very similar happening in the church. So you didn't have to applaud or say amen, good job. Because this is on us. Now we're going to read the scriptures that we're going back to what God's saying to us about this. After that generation died, another generation grew up who did not acknowledge the Lord or remember the mighty things he'd done for Israel. The Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight and served the images of Baal. They abandoned the Lord, the God of their ancestors, who had brought them out of Egypt. They went after other gods, worshiping the gods of the peoples around them, and they angered the Lord. Look, you don't want to be there. They abandoned the Lord to serve Baal and the images of Ashtoreth. This made the Lord burn with anger against Israel, so he handed them over to the raiders who stole their possessions. He turned them over to their enemies all around, and they were no longer able to resist them. Every time Israel went out to battle, the Lord fought against them, causing them to be defeated, just as he had warned, and the people were in great distress. There's something about obedience that uh, maybe, maybe we should think about. There's something about God's word that we in the church need to see, understand, and apply in our lives as we walk this walk with God. If you're seeing all the flashes across the screen that I'm doing, it's okay. We're going to go right where God wants us to go right now. So if you recall, uh, if you've been around the church a lot, you've heard probably the two most well-known outside the church as well as inside the church passages of scriptures Psalm 23 and John 3.16. I mean, if anybody has any kind of knowledge of the church or God, they know and they have heard those two passages of Scripture. As we look into God's Word today, we want to read John 3.16. There's, yes, I'm going to say this. Uh, We're going to read John 3.16. We're going to also read 17 and 18 verses you've heard If you've been in the church all your life, you probably memorized them in Sunday school if you went to that. As we look at the Word of God and listen to what He says, we need to understand the message that is being spoken here in the biblical context and not in the church's teaching. (laughs) 
Yeah. Seriously, let's see what God's saying to us. I am going to read to you out of the New Living Translation, so don't freak out when you don't hear it in King James the way you memorized it as a kid. But listen to what it says. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only Son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent his Son into the world not to judge the world but to save the world through him. There is no judgment against anyone who believes in him, but anyone who does not believe in him has already been judged for not believing in God's one and only Son. So the reason why these are like the golden texts of the Bible in John 3, 16, and then 17 and 18 are part of that equation. You have to read things in the context of what is being said. It's so, so cool what we learn here and just these, this little statement that's made here. What we learn from these verses is that believing in Jesus Christ is the only way to salvation. There is no other way, right? says it plain and simple. What we learn in this section of scripture as well is the purpose of his coming to earth was to offer salvation to the world. All right, he didn't come to condemn the world. The world was already condemned because of sin. He came to save the world. All right, that's the whole purpose of his coming. So we learn this in this context as well. We also learn that people accept Jesus and believe on him will go to heaven. We also learn in here that those who don't and they reject him will go to hell. All right, you guys can say amen to that because that's biblical truth. It's what it's all about. So when we don't receive Jesus, we go to hell. When we do receive Jesus, we go to heaven. So when we look at this and we see this, there's a problem that has arisen in the church with these scriptures. There is. We want to isolate John 3.16 because we want to give everybody the good news of all you got to do is believe in Jesus and all is good. So we've elevated that context of that verse without the fullness of the meaning of the context of God's word to us. And what does it mean to believe in Jesus? All right. So as we look at this, here's the problem. When we read that he came to save everyone, believe on Jesus and you're going to make it to heaven and all that stuff. Well, there's this, this word believe is the issue. It is. So like in both the Greek and the English word definitions, understanding of things, we know that believe is an, a verb. We're going to take you back to school for just a moment. So a verb is an action word, right? It's not a noun. It's not a person, place, or thing. It's a verb, which means it's an action word. So when it says that you believe on Jesus, that means there has to be action involved in that belief. So there's got to be something more to it than just making a statement of a noun, a person, play, or thing, like it's, I believe, and it's isolated, and it's stationary. The belief that God's word describes to us right here is an, a verb, which is an action word. And herein lies the problem with what we believe. I say I believe things, and the belief that we're looking at in the scripture, in the context, requires action. It's not suggested. It is. And there's a mandatory action and belief that God's word says. So therefore, movement. Movement in belief. So when we say, do you believe? It's like, oh yeah, yeah, I believe. That's up here. But when you believe, it's in here. Okay, so the belief that the Bible talks about 
isn't just a head knowledge, it's a heart knowledge that affects the lips, the hands, and the feet. It's an action word. So as we look at what God's word is telling us, we're, every time that we speak about um, believing, excuse me, we need to get clarity of what God's word actually says. So what we're talking about, saving faith and non-saving belief. Belief, saving belief and non-saving belief. That's the context of what we're talking about. So you can believe and not be saved, or you can believe and be saved. Do you know that's true? Okay, it's, it's biblical, and we look in James 2, which we always go there, because it's so easy for us to see in the scriptures. So you see, faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. Okay, so what is he telling us? That the faith that we're engaging in, that belief in Jesus, requires action. Something in your life is happening as a result of your belief. Let's keep reading then. Now, some may argue... Some people have faith and others have good deeds. So we're trying to separate now like, well, that's good for you. You can go ahead and do something about your faith. I do believe I don't have to do anything. This is God's word now, remember? But I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I will show you my faith by my good deeds. You say you have faith? For you believe that there's one God good for you. Even the demons believe this and they tremble in terror. How foolish. Can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? So what we're talking about here is the belief in Jesus that absolutely creates action in our life. We know by the word of God that we are warned in scripture here that there is a saving belief and there is a non-saving belief. And we see it modeled before us in the spirit world by the devil and the demons themselves. And what we see in Scripture is telling us if you truly believe, there's some action that will take place, something stirring inside you about following Jesus because the action is following Jesus. How do we follow Jesus? By surrendering to the Holy Spirit who leads us into Christ-likeness. And therefore, the action that's happening in my life is I am becoming more like Christ because I believe that he is the Savior of the world. He's the one and only hope that I have. And therefore, when I follow him by the Spirit's leading, I become more like him. Therefore, my belief is being acted out in my life. If nothing is changed and there is no action, then this is empty faith, belief, and it is non-saving belief. So you can know by looking in the mirror, am I different today than when I said I first believed? If you're no different than you were the day you said you believed, you didn't believe. Because my God is a creative God. He is a working God, a transforming God. And when God comes to live within us, we are transformed and he does something amazing in us that creates something new in us that spurs us to be different and to live differently. And therefore, church, when we're talking about believing, we want to believe different than the devil, I hope. So when we look at this belief that we're talked about here in James, this knowledge that the devil and the demons have, he says, like, look, they know that Jesus is the one and only Savior of the world. They know that he is God himself that created all things and came to be human to give us the opportunity to be saved. They know this. They know 
that Jesus died on the cross for the sins of the world. They know and believe that Jesus rose from the grave. They know and believe that Jesus ascended to the right hand of the Father. They know and believe that he'll come again. They believe all that. But they're not saved. So church, there's a lot of people in your lives, maybe even some that are right here in this room and listening online, that believe, but they believe like the devil because there's no change or transformation in their life. And it's pretty critical that you and I would understand the difference and know what we believe. See, in Jesus' ministry, the demons themselves regularly confessed that Jesus was who he is. They did. All I got to do is read the Gospels. going to read two of those verses right now. Mark chapter 1, verse 23. Suddenly a man in the synagogue who was possessed by an evil spirit cried out, Why are you here interfering with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. So, pretty interesting thing here, church. This individual was in church. And while he was in church, he was possessed by a demonic spirit. Don't think that because you're in church that everything is good and everything's safe and everybody's right. It's right there in the Bible, in the house of God. We have some crazy teachings out there in the church world about demons and and spiritual possessed people and all demon possessed people and all that kind of stuff. Look, this is the reality of it. They can be in the church. They can be saying they believe anything. They can be acting in any role they want to. But church, as people of God with the Spirit of God, we better be able to discern that truth. And the way that we know that truth is why we walk with Jesus, right? Okay, so now we look at this. It's right there, and it's like this this demonic spirit could not shut up because of the presence of the Lord. (laughs) And what did he say? He declared who he was. Do you know what Jesus tells us is going to happen at the end? Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord, right? That means saved and sinner alike. That means the devil and the demons alike. They will kneel, bow, and declare him as Lord. Okay, we keep reading here now. We see this. They already know they're judged. They already know they're condemned. And they already know who Jesus is. We keep reading now. We're going to jump over to Luke chapter 4. As the sun went down that evening, people throughout the village brought sick family members to Jesus. No matter what their diseases were, the touch of his hand healed everyone. Many were possessed by demons. And the demons came out at his command, shouting, You are the Son of God. But because they knew he was the Messiah, he rebuked them and refused to let them speak. Let that sink in. See, the demons knew he was the Savior of the world. They knew he was the answer for sin in the world. They knew it. And Jesus rebuked them because he's like, they're not hearing that message from you. The demons knew. They know. They know who Jesus is. They know the truth of true believing and the truth of not truly believing. They know. This is why 
Everything in the world opposes Jesus. That's why every false faith is being built up by the spirit of darkness. They want you to not believe for salvation, but they want you to believe the way they do. I had knowledge, but no heart change. An understanding up here, but no transformation or action in your life about what you say you believe. See, the devil, the demons, they are spirit, and there is a spirit at work today, even in churches. A spirit that is moving people and making them feel certain ways. That's why we don't trust that, and we're not saved by how we feel. We're saved by faith in the work of God. And he does affect our feelings. There's no doubt about that. But if we are pursuing feelings, we're pursuing the wrong thing. We need to pursue the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit sometimes doesn't give you feelings on purpose. Because he's teaching us to grow up in our faith and trust God for who he is and what he says. If it's all about feelings, then we're all in trouble. I feel hot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what about it? So what? You live in the desert, man. All right. <laughs> so see, in, the, in this whole world around us, the devil will promote, encourage, and be all for any belief that will undermine or wrongly teach who Jesus is. That's why a lot of false faiths talk about Jesus. And they will use terminology that sounds very Christian. But until you get to the core of who Jesus is, that's where you know the truth. We had a young lady here a few weeks back that comes from a different belief system. And um, she was visiting first time in a Christian church, not telling you what she is on purpose, but she came and said something to me, and I was like, you know, who is Jesus to you? And she was like, well, he's a false god. Yeah, but the church she goes to is called Christian. And many in the Christian community would acknowledge that that's a Christian faith, even though it's different than what we believe. Church, see, it's so critically important that we know what we believe and that we live that belief according to the Spirit of God. Because, see, the Spirit will affirm all kinds of lying things if it's the lying Spirit. And so if all we're doing is just waiting for some kind of a feeling to come when I step into this, then great. I can experience that. I mean, Justin was talking about it this morning when he said he can get, lose his mind. At, well, you would lose your mind if you watch Arizona football. I'm glad he threw. <laughs> just kidding. Basketball in there. He threw that in there to try and cover for it. So, you know, <laughs> but see, it doesn't matter. What I'm saying is, is you can get emotional about anything, right? I mean, it's, it's crazy. People get emotional about the Cowboys. I don't get it. <laughs> I'm sorry, but I had to throw that in there, you know what I mean? So... Uh, I love you all. Uh, so, so here's the thing. The devil's going to promote anything that isn't true. And he's going to affirm stuff that's not true. And he will allow people to believe things about Jesus as long as they don't believe in Jesus. So many have heard uh, Romans 10.9 as well. And it's been used in evangelistic efforts. In other words, trying to reach people and get them saved, right? So it is a great verse. Don't misunderstand me. I mean, let's read it together. Romans 10, 9. If you open declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. 
So it's kind of like a simplistic gospel. I don't mean that wrong. It is. It's a simplistic gospel message right there. And so what a lot of, uh, a lot of good-meaning, evangelistic-minded people will talk to someone that's not saved and say, look, all you got to do is believe in Jesus and then say that you believe in Jesus. And it's like a fact. Because that's what it says. In the, like, if you just read it like that, it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I believe. Remember the devil believes all that? You remember that? I mean, in the, in the, the demons themselves were declaring who Jesus was, right? So there's got to be a little bit more to this than simply saying, yep, Jesus is Lord, he died, he rose, and I believe that I'm declaring that I know that that's true. There's got to be something more to that. So instead of just using this one verse and using it alone for a salvation verse, I encourage you folks that we should look at the context of Scripture and read more than just that verse, just like 3.16, John. Like 17 and 18 have a lot to do with what 16 says. Well, when you read Romans 10, 9, there's more that's said in Scripture than just that. It's not, I'm not here to promote an easy believism, even though salvation is easy. <laughs> All right? But the believing in is the transformation of. It's what God does in us as a result of our believing. So as we look at the Word of God, we have to look at this and say, okay, God, it's not just about uh, saying it out loud. It's more than just speaking it or saying, I believe it. Let's read the context and further in. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God, and it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. So I'm pausing right there because it says openly declaring, so it's like to proclaim to all that you know that you are now a follower of Jesus Christ. So if I believe and I'm openly declaring that, that's why we do public baptisms. I've had a lot of people ask if I could do a private baptism because they're uncomfortable in front of people. I'm like, no. It's all right. You have to get over your uncomfortableness. You have to make a public declaration. See, it's even different than what it was in the Bible days. They did it out at the river in the city where when they went out, there was a public display saying, I'm now a follower of Jesus Christ. I'm no longer who I used to be. I'm brand new. <clears throat> we can't do that here. Sorry. I mean, Yeah. Go do a sand bath, but it's not the same. We're looking at what God's telling us right here. But it's to proclaim to everyone that you know you're now a follower of Jesus Christ. There are people that say they believe in Jesus that haven't even talked to their own family members about what it means to be saved and what God's done for them. Our own family? Do we remember what John 3, 16, 17, and 18 says? If they don't believe, they're going to hell. We say we believe all that, but now we haven't even declared that to our own unsaved, lost family members. But the Word of God says if you believe, you're going to openly declare it. I'm a follower of Jesus. You're going to openly declare that. That doesn't mean go stand in the street corner and yell at everybody that goes by. No, if the Spirit of God tells you to do that, go do it. But I'm saying it, I'd, it'd be a, very few that I ever says that to. I'm sure of that. I am. Okay, let's see what God's saying, right? We see that this is the deal. 
When we openly declare that we are follower of Jesus Christ, that we believe, that brings us into accountability, doesn't it? Because now that I've said it out loud and everybody knows I'm a follower of Jesus, now I better be following Jesus. So there's a reason why we make the open declaration, because there's an expectation that I will be different. And the people that I'm telling about that are going to see a change in my life. Remember, the Word of God says we're the light of the world. Well, we're not going to be the light if we're still the same old person. And if we say we believe and nothing happens, then what good is that belief and what good is Jesus? For real. What is it? Okay. So, <laughs> let's, let's keep reading here. Ready? Uh, this is reading in verse number 11. As the Scriptures tell us, anyone who trusts in Him will never be disgraced. Jew and Gentile are the same in this respect. They have the same Lord who gives generously to all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? (laughs) Isn't that awesome? Like, yeah, it's not even done with that, right? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That is why the scriptures say, how beautiful are the feet of the messengers who bring the good news. Right? Okay. So you see what the word of God is telling us is when we truly believe in Jesus, there's an action that happens inside of us that causes us to openly declare that we're a follower of Christ. And we go and tell everyone, we have these feet that God's given us, and we've been sent into a lost and dying world that doesn't know they need a real transformational belief in Jesus Christ. A lot of people just think they all have to say is, oh yeah, I believe. No. Church, it's more than just saying you believe. There's a life transformation in that belief. And if the life is not being transformed into Christ's likeness, then the life is not truly believing in the one who came to save us. For he is a transformational God. So as you believe, you share. That's an action, right? It's the verb aspect of believing is sharing. So a lot of people are uncomfortable and they're like, well, I don't have the gift of evangelism. That's the one out for Christians, you know, because it's listed in one of the spiritual gifts as evangelism. So we're like, well, I'm not an evangelist, so God hasn't called me to do that. Yes, he has. Maybe he hasn't called you to preach. Maybe he hasn't called you to go out into the world and declare everywhere you walk that Jesus is the Savior of the world. But he's called you to be an evangelist to your family, your friends, the people you work with, and everyone around you. He has placed you in that environment so that they can see that Jesus Christ is real and that your belief is real and you have declared that truth by the way you live and speak. All are called to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Some are called to do it from a platform or a different type of a setting, but everyone's called to do it. See, it says right there in that scripture that we read that we openly declare. And so we have to. So we have to tell everyone we know that they too can be saved by believing in Jesus. (laughs) So every one of us, if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I mean, if you truly believe and know him and you've been saved, you've been transformed, Every one of you are sent by God and now by your pastor. And I try and do it every single week. 
that you are being sent into the world to share the good news of Jesus Christ with everyone God leads you to this week. Man, it is like such a needed message today. Friends, the chaos of our world is ripe for a revival move of God. The confusion, instead of being appalled by the confusion of our culture, let's give them something that they need, a hope that is solid and true, and that's Jesus. They're lost and confused out there, church. So God has sent us into an unbelieving world that needs to hear about Jesus to tell them about Jesus. And so he says, now, as you follow the Spirit of God and being transformed into Christ's likeness, then as we share that good news, our life models that good news, right? So that action of belief is transformation. So we're not called by God to gather believers and hide, A lot of churches kind of took that posture over the last several decades. And the claiming of the scripture is, well, God's word says things are going to get worse and worse as we go towards the end. It says that. It does. Things aren't going to get better. Sin is in the world. It's going to get worse until Jesus comes and just destroys it all. Okay, we all know that. Okay, so instead of thinking that, okay, then it's time for us to go hide over here and wait for that to happen? No. Our call has to not be hide, but to step out into the light and be the light in this dark world so that people can know that Jesus is the answer. There's been, yeah, absolutely. There's been two great awakenings that swept the entire globe, right, if you look in history. So things were bad before that. Things have been bad in history before. The entire nation of Assyria in the Old Testament was evil, pagan, dark, just horribly dark. And they did evil stuff. And God called that guy to go and preach that they needed to repent or he would rain fire down. You know who that guy was, right? Jonah. Jonah's like, I ain't going there. You know why? He wanted God's judgment to fall on them because he knew they were evil. They were the people that were destroying his own nation. And so he didn't want to preach repentance to them because he wanted God's fire to fall on them. You know that's why he got in the boat to go the other way, right? Like, if I don't talk, judgment's falling. God's like, that ain't the way this works. (laughs) Throw him out. Take him over there. Spit him out. You got the message, dude? Go tell him. All right? Yeah. Please don't get swallowed by a fish this week because you're unwilling to tell somebody about Jesus. You're going to end up smelling like puke, you know? So here's what happens. (laughs) You know, you're always given those little special blessings when you come here. You know that, right? Um, (laughs) Anyhow, so... You know, when, when Jonah goes, I, I have a picture of Jonah going through the streets in my mind because, see, he was the reluctant prophet. And he did it because of, you know, I mean, it's like, what are you going to do now? You're going to go somewhere else? No, I guess I'm going to do this. I can see him walking through the streets of Nineveh. I can. And this is Dave's interpretation. 
Repent or God's judgment's coming. Repent or God's judgment's coming. Repent or God. No enthusiasm, no real call to repentance. Because he's like, I'm being obedient, I'm doing it, but you know, like, still want the fire to fall. After he preaches to the whole city, you know, he went up on that hill and he got a little seat because he was like, can't wait to see this happen. That's why he was there. Have you ever read the book? He's sitting up on the hill watching because he's like, man, bring the fire. Yeah. God didn't bring fire. You know why God didn't bring the fire? Because from the king to the poorest slave, they put on sackcloth and ashes and they repented. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. We're talking about a pagan nation. We're talking about a pagan leader, a king who was evil and dark. And the entire city repented and God didn't do it. He did not bring the fire. So see, God's a God of mercy and desires this. And Jonah's mad and he tells God, this is why I didn't want to preach because I know you're a God of mercy. You're a God of forgiveness. So he's like, I didn't want him saved. I wanted him to die. That was his heart. You know, there's a lot of, oh man, God help us. There's a lot of Christian people that are so angry at those that are evil around them. They just want God's judgment to fall. And Jesus died for them, and he wants them saved. He died for them. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only, that whoever would believe in him will not perish but have everlasting life. See, I broke into King James. You're welcome. It's the way I learned it. <laughs> so as we look at that, it's like, oh, so God wants to save those those. Even those? Yep. He died to save even me. <laughs> it's so crazy how we see them versus us. Like, I'm, all, I'm savable, but they're not. I'm worth it, but they're not. They're worth it. They're lost. If my belief doesn't change me because I believe in Jesus, then what would be the point in believing in him in the first place? I mean, just like a ticket to heaven, that's a great thing. I get it, you know, and that's kind of the way a lot of Christian and churches have approached it. Like, just believe, just whew, now you're in, good. And we just leave you go. But see, there's something more to this belief as God's word teaches us that there's a life impact, there's a walk with God, there's a transformation of me into Christ's likeness. That's all part of the believing. It's not just the one thing. It's all of it. And man, if it's not, then there is no point. There isn't a point. I mean, seriously, why would we even come to church? If all you got to do is believe in Jesus and walk on your way, then go do your thing. I mean, seriously. The next, I'm on my action steps, by the way. If I truly believe that God's word says that those who do not believe will go to hell, then shouldn't we who believe want to confess him to those who don't know him? I mean, if we truly believe what God's word says, then we should truly desire to confess that he is Lord of all and that they will answer to him. 
It doesn't matter if you don't get a Christmas card. Maybe you're not like the favorite child. So what? They're going to get lost and go to hell. Don't you think it's more important to tell them about Jesus than saving your face at the family dinner? It's crazy. I, I mean, seriously, it's like crazy. It's like we say we believe, and then that, there's like this space of, I don't know what it is, deception, like unbelief or whatever. Come on, man, open confession about Jesus. If you hear my voice today, wherever you are, wherever and whatever day this is you're listening, and you believe that Jesus is the Savior, and you have transformational belief that God is doing something inside of you, you can have that, then if you do, I'm sending you out to share that good news with others. That's God's word. Yeah. You see, that covered all of our, our action steps. I mean, our accountability questions, spending time in God's word, knowing what he's saying, spending time alone with him with no agenda, like, what do you want me to do for you, Lord? Have you shared Jesus with someone? Didn't you invite someone to church with you today? Like, hey, you want to be changed? Come on, let's go meet together with a bunch of other people that are being changed. Believe me, it's not a perfect church. They're jacked up, but you would not believe what God's doing in their life. Talk about it with them. Yes, we are. Anybody that tries to proclaim they're the perfect church, man, run. <laughs> oh, Lord, help us, man. What a mess we are. You know, all y'all online know we don't edit anything. You get it all. You know what? <laughs> Sorry about that. All right. Uh, yeah, I should probably pray because I was thinking about something else. I will tell you. So I, I back in 1998, some of you weren't even born then. I was just a wee little child. No. Uh, in 1998, God asked me to go to California to a thing that was, you know, there was an invitation to pastors to go to meet with this guy who was a pretty prominent, well-known pastor across the nation. And they had a couple campuses way back when that wasn't normal. And he was on TV and all that stuff. And so I went there and that was the first time I'd ever, this guy coming from a church of like 30 people, um, yeah, anyway, stepped into a church of multiple thousands, and when we walked in the door, you know, they had like, uh, they had literally ropes on the seats, and you were ushered in by the ushers, and you were told where to sit, because they wanted every seat filled for when the camera was on, and if the seats would not be filled in the back, they want everybody to be like, so it looks like the house of God is full, and I'm not against that, you may have, no, I'm kidding, uh, I don't care where you sit. All right, that, that's fine. I don't care about that. I just thought it was funny, and I'm like, oh, okay, that's why it looks like the house is jammed all the time, because it is, even if it's just the first 50 people in the front. So next thing I watched happen was, God bless our tech team. Just, I'm not talking about you guys at all. Something happened in the service. You know how that every, whenever you watch a movie and someone has a mic on, they always do the back, you know, the feedback, squawk, you know, sound. It happened in that service. Like, more than once. And I was like, wow, how did that happen? What? I mean, he's on TV and that never happens. Well, they edit it out. You don't get the live feed. They have an editing team in the back. And so any mistakes that are made, anything that doesn't show right or anything gets edited. So you see like this perfect seamless service and message. You don't get that here. I'm just letting you know in case 
<laughs> you haven't figured that out yet. <laughs> you don't get that here. <laughs> so here, this is ignorant, Dave. You know, I'm just this kid that's sitting in the room. And there's 30 pastors from across the country. And, um, you know, I wrote a little note and stuck it on his little podium for when he came in the room. And I was like, man, it was great to hear a squawk in your service because it's like you're not perfect either. No, I didn't mean that in a bad way. I didn't mean it in a bad way at all. I'm just, like I said, I'm just who I am. So I just like wrote that little note to him. He came in the room and he looks down at that podium and he sees that little note there and he grabbed it, crumpled it up and threw it away and shook his head. And we went on with what was going on. <laughs> I didn't get any uh, accolades in that week-long class, I just want you to know. But anyway... I sing all that because you see, church, it's like, it's not about a show. It's not about, like, that I have to look a certain way, talk a certain way, be a certain way. It's like, I have to be saved. I have to believe in Jesus, and then I have to allow God, the Holy Spirit, to transform who I was into who he died to make me. And if that journey is happening in your life, some of us may look pretty scary because we came from a very scary place. And God's changing us. And believe it or not, that's the new version that's being transformed. Right? So when we look at that in the context of God's word, it's important. Yeah. It's important that we see that and deal with the people around us in the same way. When we see people that way, we no longer judge them based on how they appear to us and how godly they may or may not be. I don't care how godly you may appear I really care about how godly your heart is. And what is God doing in you? That's why a lot of times when people are talking to me, I'm asking them, like, hey, man, what is God doing in your life today? We used to have testimonies in the church. I quit having testimonies in church because they weren't really testimonies. A lot of them were like, well, I've had a hard time this week, and the devil's been beating me up. It's like, well, who are you serving here? What is going on in your life? If you aren't facing opposition, then you're not walking right right? So like stop complaining about it and get on with it. Start living for Jesus and just bring glory to him in the midst of the opposition, all right? The other thing, yeah, As, after I heard all their testimonies, I was like, I'm not sure I want to follow that Jesus because y'all are miserable, man. <laughs> so I'm not telling you to fake it. I'm saying, what's wrong with you? If you're like uncomfortable, unhappy in your life, I'm just saying, I don't know if you know Jesus or not. Because what I know about Jesus is there's joy inside of me in the midst of all the craziness, heartache, and difficulties we face. There's this joy of the presence of the living God that I know this is not the end. And I know that God's doing something in the midst of it. All right, we're done. I got to stop. Yeah. The altar is open. So when I say that to you, it's an invitation. So would you stand together and know that you are being invited by the living God into a transformational relationship of belief. And if you want to be transformed or if you recognize that maybe your belief has not been transformational, let's engage the transformational belief that God wants to do in us. Whether it's the first time or you've been believing with just your head and not your heart, and nothing's really changing in your life. It's time for things to change. Man, it's time. God loves you. He loves you way too much to let you just sit there and be you. Father, we love you so much. And Lord, we recognize, God, that there are people that are 
right here today, listening online in the house. The desire, transformational belief, Lord. <laughs> You're an amazing, forgiving God. Thank you for your forgiveness that is available right now. For everyone who screwed up this morning, last night, this last week. You're an amazing God who forgives. And Lord, it's not just that we come to be forgiven. We're here to be transformed in our belief, to change, to openly declare and live that we are disciples of Jesus Christ, followers of the one and only Savior of the world. And we want those around us to know you. Give us boldness in our faith to share the good news, the Jesus story of our own life, that they might know you for themselves and experience the new life that is available to us, God, that brings victory and not defeat, that gives transformation and not just the same old, same old. You are an amazing God and we love you. Thank you. Thank you, God. Yeah, you receive that, church. That's in your own heart, talking to him. He's ready. God bless you. Thank you so much for being here today. Love you all. Thank you. God bless you.